G'day, and thanks for tuning in to the Outpost Church podcast. We are currently in a series called The Fellowship of the Gospel, and we are focused on Paul's letter to the Philippians, and we hope that this is an encouragement to you and that you're able to apply these words to your life. God bless you. Good afternoon, everyone. So quiet. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of um, doing a, a program down at Mobilong Prison in Murray Bridge. And we uh, had a badge with our names on it. But not only did we have a name on the badge, we also had a Bible verse. And it said, Matt, uh, 2536, I was in prison and you visited me. So these are words from Jesus and the scripture reference. Um, and I was talking with one of the fellas that was in there and he got super excited one moment as it dawned on him. He's like, oh, I'm Matt. My name is Matt and I am 25 and I am in prison and you have visited me. How good. Like how personal is that? Like this script, I mean, we could have just written the verse without the reference Uh, He preferred to be called Matt rather than Matthew, and it was just Matt rather than Matthew. Anyway, just so personal, so beautiful uh, to have that. Um, And I recall getting a bit of a shock about six weeks later. uh, I was at a youth group uh, as a volunteer leader. The night had finished, so all the youth had gone home, and the leaders were still there packing up. And then someone tells me that Matt was here and he's looking for me. I'm like, Matt's looking for me. And then I see him, I'm like... Matt from Mobilong is here. He's found me um, at the church. And he was just so eager to kneel before the cross um, and to pray. Um, So we knelt down together uh, and and we prayed. And in the same way that I had visited him, he came and visited me. And he was super blessed by the ministry of um, what we were doing when we were in Mobilong. And I was blessed by his ministry to me. Uh, And what we're looking at over the next couple of months is the fellowship of the gospel. And one of the things about the fellowship of the gospel is that there's giving and there's receiving. And we need to be good at both. How good that I was able to be a part of blessing him, but how good that he was able to be a part of blessing me. And we're going to have a look at one of the most famous jailbirds, Um, in in Paul, the Apostle Paul. But even for someone that's in prison, that's not expecting to meet God, to have that happen, and also to have a prisoner, you know, who is God's messenger to bless and encourage us. I'm going to ask Christy, she's going to read. So this is a remarkable story. And it can be a familiar one. Uh, We read from Acts chapter 16 and Philippians chapter 1, we are reading about the same group of people. So as we read in Acts 16, that's in Philippi, uh, and that's happening around about AD 50, uh, whereas Paul is writing 10 years on around about AD 60 from jail again uh, in in Rome. And it's helpful, I think, just to backtrack a little bit. Um, So you've got um, the amazing reality of Jesus. First and foremost, it is all about Jesus. In fact, 
there are some 61 references to Jesus in the four chapters that make up Philippians. It is all about him. And Jesus leaves behind some disciples who live remarkably similar lives to Jesus. They surrender themselves for the sake of others. They're seeing signs and wonders, all sorts of miracles that are going on. Uh, this group that certainly didn't start off as being super promising um, are living it out. And they're doing it really well. Um, and initially, they were just reaching out to the Jews. That's what Jesus did primarily. He had a couple of interactions with the non-Jews, the Gentiles. But by and large, he was ministering to the Jews. And so the disciples did the same thing. They're reaching out to the Jews. And then there's this vision that the most prominent of the disciples, by the name of Peter, had. Um, and that changed everything. And they started to go to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, with this amazing message of salvation that is only found in Jesus. And so as this is going on, you have this guy, Paul. Uh, Paul, um, as is quite famous, he was opposing the message of the way. He was uh, a Jew among Jews. He was a Pharisee, and he was absolutely opposed to Jesus and his way. And on his way uh, to mess with some more Christians, he meets Jesus for himself, and then he starts proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. And he is with a guy called Barnabas, and they're at their church, with their church in a gathering, and they're fasting and praying, and God speaks to them and says, I want you to set apart for me uh, Saul and Barnabas, and they are going to, to go. Um, and they did. Uh, so off they went on what's often called the first missionary journey. And what we're reading now is the second missionary journey. And this time we know that Paul's there. Um, you may have picked it up as we're reading in Acts that the pronouns actually shifted, so it becomes we, uh, because the author Luke was with Paul at that time. And if we had have backed it up a little bit further to the start of chapter 16, we find out that Paul has taken Timothy with him as well, um, and we also find out that it was Silas that was with him in prison. So it was at least those four that are together, um, and they respond to this dream that Paul has. So there's a man of Macedonia who's saying, come and help us. Come to Macedonia and help us. And so they do. They go to Macedonia and they arrive in a city called Philippi in Macedonia. Um, and for the, the Jews at that time, they couldn't all make it to the temple and they wanted to worship. And so what they would do is if there was at least 10 families in a particular area, they would build a synagogue. Um, and so Paul arrives in this, this city. There's not even enough Jews to build one synagogue in the city. Uh, and so the second option for the Jews was, if there was no synagogue, was to worship in the open air by the sea or by a river. And so Paul, on the Sabbath, he goes out to the most likely place to find some Jews. And he finds these women that are there. So Lydia is one of them. So she's a dealer in purple cloth. There we go. Have you ever met a dealer in purple cloth? Anyone? So back in the day, that was, that was it. That was it in a bit. It was not cheap to get your hands on some purple cloth. So she's likely to be quite a wealthy businesswoman. Uh, and so she hears the message. She says yes to Jesus. And not only is she baptized, but her whole household are baptized. 
and she is super keen to provide hospitality to, to Paul and his traveling companions. And so there we have the start of the work of the gospel on the continent of Europe. It began there. The flag of Jesus gets unfurled on the continent of Europe for the first time in Philippi. And um, once, we don't know how long, uh, Paul spent in uh, Lydia's house. Uh, we know that there's a, several days where they've got the ultimate cheerleader, uh, this lady who's a slave girl, uh, who has this spirit that enables her to, to tell fortunes. And she's declaring everywhere they go, like, listen to these guys. They're servants of the Most High God. They're telling you the way of salvation. And Paul, maybe he liked it at first. We know he got pretty frustrated with it at one point, and he was sick of it. And so he turns around, doesn't slap her. He doesn't even have any harsh words for her. He just commands the spirit to get out of her. Um, and then that prompts the owners of this slave girl um, to put him in prison because suddenly their way of earning money has been taken away from them. And we don't know what happened to this particular girl. Um, I'd love it if she was also a partner in the gospel, but we don't know what happened with her. But we know that Lydia was. Um, and then uh, they're in prison and the miraculous story after they've been beaten they're in the inner cell, their feet are in the stocks, and then there's this epic earthquake. And it sounds like a very precise earthquake as well, because the earthquake opens the door of the prison and it actually lets their chains um, go. And so they're free. They're free to escape. And the earthquake also, it seems, is sufficient to wake up the jailer. So the jailer gets up, sees that the doors are open, is about to end his own life, and Paul calls out, we're all still here. And then he becomes a partner in the gospel as well as they invite him in. He asks the question, what must I do to be saved? And then they tell him to believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your household. And he says yes. His household says yes. And then we have another um, series of baptisms as they join in the ministry of the gospel. And uh, when, when Paul is released from prison, he goes back and checks in on Lydia and the house there. It seems that there is a house church that's going on because he encourages the brothers and sisters in the Lord at that time. Um, and so like I said earlier, it's, it's 10 years on when Paul writes this letter. And so he's writing to a community that he spent some time in, a community where he's introduced the gospel and the gospels flourish. There's more and more people that follow Jesus in that place. Uh, and he is there. He's no longer there, um, but he's in prison in Rome. Uh, and he's writing to them in order to encourage them. We are going to uh, step through the Philippians passage together. So Philippians chapter 1 from verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. So four that we know that were there at the time, two of them are authoring this letter. And Paul has a tendency to do this. It's pretty much just from Paul, uh, but he's throwing Timothy in there as well because everything else is only, you know, the pronoun is indicating that it's him and it's from Paul. But together they are both servants of Christ Jesus. Paul has two different ways that he introduces himself in his letters. One is as an apostle 
in order to make clear his standing, but the other is as a servant. And the word for servant is, is doulos, and the way that um, the Strong's Concordance defines that I find really helpful. It says, devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. Devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. So if you read that into this particular statement, Paul and Timothy devoted to Christ Jesus to the disregard of their own interests. And what I think is even more powerful than the reality of Paul and Timothy doing that is that Jesus did it first. So if we fast forward to chapter 2, we read that Jesus made himself a servant. Jesus was one who was devoted to our interest, devoted to us at the disregard of his own interests. It's powerful and it's a beautiful thing. We see it throughout Paul's writing. He says things like, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So it's Jesus that we are ultimately following, but he gives a picture of Jesus. And that's what we're called to do as well, is that we would follow Christ in such a way that it makes it more obvious for others what it looks like to follow Christ. Jesus is our servant, which is a ridiculous statement, but it is true, and we are called to serve one another. It continues, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. It is not written specifically to the leaders of the church, the overseers and the deacons. It's written to all the saints. Everyone is included. We were just looking recently at the Reformation, and one of the most exciting things that happened around the time of the Reformation is that the Bible was put back into the hands of regular people. The Bible had been restricted to the scholars. It was only those that knew Latin that were able to read the Bible for themselves. And that was not what was originally intended. What was originally intended is that this was for all the saints, not for the overseers and deacons to then explain to the saints, but for everyone. And if that word saint is tripping you up, the Catholic understanding of saints is unhelpful. A saint is simply someone who believes in Jesus. We are set apart as holy ones, as saints, simply by believing in Jesus. He does the transforming. But this letter is written to the common folk, to the everyday people. It is written to us. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. He has taken the Roman greeting and he's leveled it up. So the Roman greeting was basically just greetings, but it's a similar word to grace. And so he introduces this amazing, powerful term um, of unmerited favor, what Jesus has done for us that we couldn't possibly earn. And he says, grace to you. And he brings in the Jewish greeting, which was shalom, peace, which means completeness. May you know completeness in your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit. Amen. May we each, as we kick off 2022, know completeness of mind, body, soul, and spirit, and know his grace, which saves us and empowers us. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to step through 
uh, these next nine verses. So, Father, I want to thank you so much for what you have done for each and every one of us. I want to thank you that at this time when there is so much that would keep us in isolation, that you have brought us together. You are the ultimate reconciler. You are the ultimate uniter. And I pray that we would understand what it means to be united with you and what it means to be united with each other. I pray for each one of us. I pray for those that are not here. I pray for those who are really keenly feeling that sense of isolation. We think of those who are experiencing that through COVID-related things as well as other issues. We pray, Lord, that we would be agents of reconciliation. We would be agents of, of unity and true fellowship. Fellowship that's not just like sharing sandwiches with someone at a church lunch a fellowship that is a deep sense of, of oneness, of shared purpose. I pray that we would know what it means to be unified. We would know what it means to have your purpose, to be devoted to you at the expense of our own interests. We ask, Lord, that we would know you near, and we ask, Lord, that we would respond appropriately today. And every day, would you speak to us again, speak to us afresh through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are going to spend the next couple of months digging into Philippians. Christy gave a plug before for the version Bible reading plan that we're kicking off tomorrow. If you're not a part of that and would like to be, uh, please have a chat with me and I'll explain how to get on it. One of the good things about the version Bible reading plan is that you can uh, add comments. You don't have to, but you can add comments. And it's just encouraging, you know, as we see different comments drop in. Um, it's a nice encouragement. Uh, and um, also you can set a reminder to get on with it. It's only a few verses each day. The way that it's set up is you do a few verses, then you get to the end of the chapter and you read the whole chapter uh, in one day, um, which is not really that much for a start. But it's an encouraging way to, to step through the Scriptures together. Verse 3, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. That is a beautiful statement. I give thanks. I thank God for every remembrance of you. Like every time you come to mind, I'm like, thank you, Lord. How good. How good to receive that. Imagine being one of these guys in Philippi who is being told by Paul that he is thanking God every time he thinks of them. It's not, I thank God for what you might become. It's, I thank God for you. Like, as you are right now, I thank God for you. It's not a sense of frustration of like, oh, just grow up. I get frustrated with you. If only you would do this and do that. It's like, I thank God for you. That is powerful. And this is why. Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Partnership in the gospel is simply receiving the good news of Jesus, applying it to your life, and sharing it with others. They are partners. They were partners in the gospel. We are partners in the gospel when we say yes to Jesus. Let's continually say yes to him and his amazing 
offer of salvation to us. Verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He ain't finished with you yet. He has made a star and he will complete what he has started. Those areas that are not as they should be, he is the one who will fix them. Let's allow him to do that work in us. This is an imperfect person in the Apostle Paul who's writing to imperfect people, and yet he thanks God for every remembrance of them. And he has a confidence that he will complete it, God will complete it. Verse 7, Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart. That is a beautiful statement. I have you in my heart. I wonder who it is that's had you in their heart. I just want to take a moment and as we kick off 2022, just to think of those who have gone before us who have encouraged us in the gospel. It could be that this person has passed on. Obviously, they could be still alive. But who is someone who has prayed for you regularly, who has encouraged you in your faith? Let's just take a moment in silence just to remember those and to, to thank God for those who have thanked God for us. I just remembered spending some time with my grandpa and my sister uh, spent a long time as a missionary over in China. And I remember um, Grandpa was just saying goodbye to, to my sister Katrina. Um, and he just said one word to her in his farewell, and it was every day. Just gave her a hug and just said every day. Just looked at her. And we both knew what it meant. It just meant that they prayed for her daily. Every day. We pray for you. Remember you every day. How beautiful to have the saints who do such a thing. I have you in my heart. I also ask you to consider who you have in your heart. And the reality, I think, for most of us would be that there's some people that we've shared the gospel with, that we have in our heart, and there's people that we are yet to share the gospel with that we have in our heart. Again, let's just take a moment and let's think of those Maybe they are people who have received the gospel and run with it. Maybe they are those who are yet to do it or those we haven't spoken to yet. But let's take another moment in silence just to consider those who we have been able to share with or we are feeling called to share with. Father, we want to thank you for all those who have encouraged us, those who have done that in a deeply personal way, as well as those that have done that in a more indirect way. We also thank you for those people that you have placed on our heart, both now and previously, those that we have been able to share with and those that we haven't. Lord, I ask that you would give each of us opportunities, not that we would be feeling guilty about stuff, but rather we would pray 
we would lift up different people as we think of them and that there would be gratitude on our hearts as we do it and we would take opportunities when they are there. Lord, open our eyes to see those opportunities. Lord, may we trust you enough to say yes and to take those opportunities. In Jesus' name, amen. Since I have you in my heart, And you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. There is a clear purpose in this. Even with him in prison, it is the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. That it would be spoken, that it would be lived out, that it would be shared. Verse 8, For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you, with the affection of Christ Jesus. If when I asked you to think of someone before, if that was challenging, to think of someone who has had you in their heart in an obvious way, you haven't had someone express that in a really clear way, then let me tell you, the affection of Christ Jesus is strong and it is constant and it is personal. He is saying that he longed for them with the affection of Christ Jesus. And he's not saying that as a a weak or remote thing. He's saying that as the strongest reality of affection, is the affection that Christ Jesus has for you. And that's past, and that's present, and that's future. He's saying how strong his affection was because it was actually him getting a glimpse at the affection that Christ Jesus had for them. And he was simply responding to that. So my prayer is both that you would experience that from others, but first and foremost, you would receive that from God himself. Jesus' affection for you is constant. Verse 9. And I pray this. Now, first up, I want you to receive this. So if it's helpful for you to study these words as I say them, please do that. If it's helpful to close your eyes and just receive and meditate, then I encourage you to do that. Verse 9, and I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is a beautiful thing for us to receive, and it's a beautiful thing for us to share. It's scattered throughout Paul's writings. We get some prayers that he prayed. And if you're ever like, oh, I wonder what I should pray right now, it's a good go-to. It's a good thing for us to pray these prayers that Paul prayed uh, over people. So I'm going to read it one more time. And then if you're reading your translation at the same time or you've noticed your translation and it's a bit different to this one and you're like, I reckon it will bless people because it will give them a slightly different emphasis, we're going to have an opportunity for two people just to to read out uh, their translation just so we can get that in a slightly different way. So I just invite you to receive this again that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior 
and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Hallelujah. Is there anyone that would like to read it in a translation that they have? Steve would love to, but it's the same translation. Thanks, Steve. All right, I'll give you a chance again in a moment. Um, I really appreciated this quote. It says, Philippians calls us to a particular joy. The joy experienced by Paul in Roman captivity facing a capital charge while his leadership was being contested by usurpers within the church. That is a heck of a place to have joy in. So joy, rejoice appears 16 times and exhorting people to joy whilst in prison. And as was said, whilst people are trying to usurp his or are usurping his authority. So not only is his immediate context suffering, but he's hearing reports of things going awry in these different churches that he cares so much about. And yet he's speaking about joy. It is often called the epistle of joy. In fact, the 27-day Bible reading plan um, focuses on joy. It's in the title. And we're actually focusing on the fellowship of the gospel because I think that joy is a part of that. But the bigger picture is the fellowship of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is from that that we find deep abiding joy. And if I was to give a one-word summary... For the book of Philippians, it would be different again. And it's the noun that appears more than any other noun in the whole book. I've already told you that it appears 61 times, and it is the name of Jesus. So 61 references to Jesus. Sometimes it's him rather than the name Jesus, but 61 references to Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Almost one per verse. That's a lot of Jesus. A lot of focus on him. Let's keep bringing it back to the name above all names. And let us be people who thank God for those who have been a blessing to us and have brought us the gospel. And let's thank God for those that we've been a part of, seeing them come to receive the gospel. And let's continue to seek the salvation of those that don't yet know him. Because there is life in no other name. It's only found in Jesus. All right, last chance. Anyone want to read out another translation um, of this? All right, Michael, and was that you, Rob, as well? The New, New Living Translation. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand that what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, that is, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Action of love's completeness in you will increasingly burst through all boundaries and that every sphere of your relationship with others will be greatly impacted by your intimate 
acquaintance with love. I urge you to examine this agape love with the utmost scrutiny, just like when a diamond is viewed in the full sunlight to prove its flawless perfection. I dare you to take love to its ultimate conclusion. There is no offence in love as evidenced in Jesus Christ, Christ laboured. This is what the glorious intent of God is all about. Celebrate him. All right, I'm going to close in prayer and then we'll have a chance to hear a couple of testimonies before we clean and then head to the beach. Father, we want to thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that we can have joy regardless of our circumstances because of him. We want to thank you for the way that you do call us to bring everything to you everything to you in prayer that it's not whining or complaining when we bring it straight to you i pray that we would be people who do bring our honest selves to you again and again uh, who receive your strength and your empowering i pray we would have faith to see circumstances change but also the grace and the peace that when things don't change uh, to still be centered on you, to still find our joy in you. I want to thank you for the Apostle Paul, and Timothy and Silas and Luke and, and others, and, and thank you for their ministry. And we thank you for how that points us back to Jesus. And I pray that we would be people who point others to you as well. So would you have your way in us? Would we bless and encourage one another? Would we be reminded once again of your goodness and your grace and your mercy, that you are our ever-present help in time of need. And we commit ourselves to you once again. In Jesus' name, amen. So Christy said it before, I think it's worth saying again, like a, a basic plan is to continue to meet together, uh, to continue to do something similar to today. Like often there will be music as well. Um, but to have a fairly simple service that won't include uh, the coffee and the dinner that we normally do. But uh, we appreciate that it might be taken out of our hands and we may not be able to meet together at some point. So we think it's important to meet together while we can. And we appreciate that there will be different situations where people choose to not come and be part of that. And we respect that decision that each individual has the right to make. Um, but we want to offer something for those who are able uh, and feel um, like they can be a part of. We want to continue to meet together. We feel like it is, it is really important. Um, so with that in mind, we're also planning to, get, to still do the Discipleship Training Week in you know, the February the 7th to the 11th. So that'll be here. We're going to change up the night things a little bit because they're higher risk. But in terms of the daytime, the plan is to still have those. Um, so from 8.30 to 2, Monday to Friday um, on February the 7th to 11th to still continue to, to do that here and to push into prayer, uh, to grow in our knowledge of that, our application of that. And we're really excited to continue in that direction. Um, I want to open up now. If there's something uh, that you've seen God do over the last little while, would love to hear about it. would love to be encouraged by a testimony that anyone uh, wants to jump up and share.
Um, so there's this guy who delivers eggs to the work, like manage 